any of our other listeners out there, because there's tons of y'all, like, you understand how important that is because you see the guys all the time, right? Like, how often there's supposed to be a nutritionist that doesn't be around them and just how important that is. Like, talk about how you've been able to learn these things from that, you know, Arkansas State dual role, uh, SMU. Like, how have you been able to take your knowledge and then use it in that practical setting for relationships with the guys? Yeah, I mean, this, this is something we talk to recruits about all the time, and this isn't this isn't an ego thing. It's just telling the truth. I, I'm the only person in college football that does my job. Really? There's no other sports dietitian who's also one of the full-time strength coaches. There's a lot of dietitians who might have their CSCS, but they're not actually coaching, and they're not actually training themselves. Um and I, I might ruffle some feathers saying this, but I, I feel like strength coaches know more about nutrition than dietitians know about training. I'd agree with you. 100%. And so, like, and this is what I did, like, I guess this could be a good answer to your question. Like, when I went, got to UCF, all I ever knew was to be a strength coach. So when I got to that role and I was able to hire uh, an amazing assistant, Erica Underhill, who got promoted to the director role when I left, I told her we work the same hours as the shrink staff. I said, you're not gonna come in at seven o'clock and make smoothies for the guys and try to talk to them about the importance of carbs if you weren't there at 6 a.m. or whatever time they started watching them train hard because you're not gonna get the buy-in, right? You get more buy-in when you're present, when they see you there, when they know that you know like what they're going through training-wise. I mean, like that's the biggest thing. And, and on top of that, like training yourself. So I'll go back to what I said about the difference between strength coaches and, and dietitians, and a lot of that can come back to supplementation. Like a lot of dietitians are this food first mantra. <laughs> Um, and they're like, worry about diet. And then maybe in a couple of years you can take creatine, but it's like, well, creatine has been conclusively proven to work independent of diet and football and any sport is not normal. So there's some supplements that you should be taking. Um, and you would know those supplements will work if you've truly trained yourself. What has been, let's dive into that because I was going to ask you about micros and macros. I was taking notes here. What are some of the things that the average strength and conditioning coach doesn't know about micros or macros with their team, whether or not they do blood profiling or whatever? Um, that's tough. Uh, I think, I think a lot of strength coaches have a good handle of it. Um, you know, like mac macronutrient wise, um, I would say it's it's really important to emphasize carbohydrates and protein, um, especially as a strength coach. Like sometimes we get wrapped up in the um, what's it called, the interference effect, like when aerobic training might diminish gains from uh, lifting, right? Mm -hmm. What is that? Is it the trans? I'm, I'm, I'm got a blank right. Transfer of training or diminishing return. I mean, either way, like 
there's going to be a little bit of that once you start playing the sport of football anyways. Like, you don't have right. all of your type 2B fibers and whatnot. So, I see what you're saying. Yeah. But, like, it's it's like the, the deal where, like, aerobic conditioning can impact your, your um, adaptations. Like, it's competing adaptations. But if you look at the research on that stuff, like, one of the most simple ways to mitigate that is just to have carbohydrates and protein. Because those adaptations become competing when you have low fuel availability. That's when AMPK kicks on and that's when you start, you know, AMPK flips on, then mTOR turns off. But if you're just sufficiently fueled, you have glycogen in your muscles and you're eating protein, you're, you're, you're turning both those on. How do you go about In your, in your opinion and what you guys do, again, without giving away any secrets or talking about things that you guys do, but what's the best way that our listeners out there can be able to provide protein and carbohydrates to their athletes? Is it giving them a shake? Have you found that, athlete, you know, peri-workout training, like what's the best thing that you've kind of found? Um, or is it you're like, hey, you know what, man, There's, there is none because it's all dependent on the guys. Taking a quick break from the show, everybody. Promise this will take less than 15 seconds. Friendly reminder, go ahead, hit that subscribe button below. It helps us out, and it helps you out by being notified whenever we have new content come out. So hit that subscribe button, and with this, let's get back to the show. Uh, I would say uh, make nutrition mandatory. That is a fantastic point that you mentioned because my former assistant, Kyle Hashimoto, shout out to Moto, he was like, Bro, how good would the team be at lifting if they weren't required to be there or practice? He's like, that's essentially what happens with nutrition. And we had our nutritionists show up to talk to them. And I know we couldn't make nutrition mandatory because that's the rest of the day that they're not with us and blah, blah, blah. But we scheduled nutrition time for nutrition talks and made it a priority. Like, how how do you make nutrition mandatory? You have to have food available. So... You set up, you set up your environment, and that um, nutrition is the first thing they see. Our first thing that our guys see when they get into the weight room is they have their vitamins, they have their omegas, and we have a, a cart full of training carbs, is what we call them. So, some people would call those simple carbs, high GI GI carbs, or whatever. Um, but it's mandatory that you eat something. You eat you eat a training carb. Um, and then you get your body weight and then, then you get rolling. And then I would say on, on top of that, um, we'll do a bit like sometimes protein doesn't sit well in your stomach to eat before training, mm-hmm. but while the guys are lifting, we'll have breaks where, especially like our skilled guys that need to gain weight, coach Bolt will put in a break in the template where they all have to go over and get a protein shake and they can drink that while they train um, we encourage guys to eat while they train. Um, and then on top of that, all our meals are mandatory. Guys looking like a powerlifting meat there just in the middle of like in between oh, yeah. sets of squats or just like fucking chowing down on something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, one of the questions that I wrote down here as you were talking was, Within your role, this has got to also just be something that's fantastic for them and things that you just get to, because you're in the meetings on the training phase, how, 
how do people get it wrong and how should people pair nutrition within the phases of training? And I'm talking specifically like you guys just posted some stuff the other day about eccentric overload training and that increased, you know, demand on the body. So how are you rotating, um, within the caloric demands and within, okay, high eccentric force, we're going to be doing, you know, let's, let's offer them collagen here. How do you just go about presenting and putting the food that they need at the right times dependent upon the training and when it comes to training camp and just all the different times of the year yeah so we'll we'll periodize nutrition a little bit um from like a macro standpoint that stays pretty constant you eat training carbs as soon as you walk in the door before mm -hmm. you train um you have protein available we have smoothies available like intra-training and post-training. Um, I guess the one thing I would say that we do a little bit differently throughout the year is gonna be our supplementation. So year-round, we'll do um, vitamins, um, omega-3s. They have a drawer with their omega-3s they take every single day. Um, but when we get to fall camp, like roll out all everything that we can um so right now in our fridges we don't have any cherry juice but as soon as we hit fall camp we're shoving cherry juice at them like every place that they turn as soon as they get off <laughs> the field for practice we're yelling cherry juice we make cherry juice jello shots like with collagen and cherry juice um, on top of that we'll start using curcumin Yep. In addition to their omega-3s, they'll take curcumin. And then with a small population, uh, we'll utilize SPMs. Um, and SPMs are like a super fancy, expensive fish oil um, who's limited data right now on athletes, but they have been used effectively at like inflammation resolution. Hmm. So problem with ibuprofen and mega dosing antioxidants is that it blunts inflammation, right?